happy innings and relief here against the Dodgers. Only on them three hits. As we go to the last half of the eighth inning, the Reds, 10, and the Dodgers, 2. Very sad report on Jim Maloney. He was ruptured uh, his Achilles tendon in his left uh, ankle. So uh, a real, very serious injury to Jim Maloney. Well, that's what it takes to make a great machine. One part stops, the others work just a little better, a little harder, taking up the slack. McLaughlin, Merritt, Nolan, Simpson. All the pitchers stayed in their pitching, and the hitters, boy, they did some hitting. One on go to third base here in the eighth inning, and the Reds are leading by a score of nine to five, and here's Pete Rose. Bill Papp was on the mound for Graves, the third Atlanta pitcher. Two balls, one strike to Rose. Here's a...
Most of the league's red-hot hitters were wearing red stockings. But there was one guy down in Atlanta that nobody could get out. Hitter Jim McLaughlin. Reds. Out here in the ninth inning, the Reds are leading 10 to 2, and here's Simpson 
pitchers had taken the mound at Crosby Field against our big red machine, and 31 had taken an early shower. Shell-shocked victims of the big red blaster. But finally, on June 21st, the Dodgers' Don Sutton went the full nine and beat the Reds nine to three. The first opposing pitcher to go the route at Crosley Field. Well, we snapped out of it quickly, like we always snap, with the long ball. Home runs 100, 101, 102. Helped to cut the Giants down to size and were hit by Perez, May, and an unsung hero named Al. Here's Al McRae, two men are out, nobody on in mid-July would be normal for most teams. For the red-hot Reds, 
It was to be their longest losing streak of the season. But everybody came around, and the Reds reeled off three straight to keep ten up on the Dodgers at the All-Star break. Tony Cloninger helped out, Ray Washburn saved one of those games, but most memorable of all was the day little Woody Woodward became the Sultan of Swat.
had come to cheer on the Big Red Machine, which responded this day with a 6-4 win over the Cubs. And Bobby Tolan waited until the 11th inning of the next game to personally beat the Cubs again. Two men out, Klein at second, Rose at first, and Pizarro completing his walk tosses to work to Bobby Tolan. The Reds three, the Cubs three. And boy, this crowd here this afternoon loved it. The 11th inning, extra innings for the Cincinnati Reds. This is the sixth time the Reds have played overtime, and they've won four of their first five extra inning games. And here's Bobby stepping in. Pizarro, the third Cubs pitcher, following Holtzman and Jim Colborn. And now here's Pizarro, veteran left-hander. First pitch to Bobby is a ball inside. Rose at first, Klein at second, and two down in the bottom half of the 11th inning. 3-3. Three, three. Boy, what a ball game. These Cubs are tough. I guess that's when I began to believe the 1970 Reds were going all the way to the flag. Ball one. 
Tony's been called out once, and he's gone down swinging once. Johnny Bench now has 118 runs batted in. He's batted in all three today. Tony drives one to center. No runs and one hit for L.A. with one man left. 
In his entire career, Lee May hit one grand slam. Yet, this year, alone, he hit three. Here's Lee May. One out and runners at first, second, and third. Chance for a big first inning right here. Wind up by Moeller in the pitch. Line drive deep left, way back. Up, 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 it is. In the seats of home run, I believe, it is. A grand slam for Lee May. Lee May hit the first pitch for Moeller. A line shot into the left center field bleachers. Line drive up over Moeller's head. Congratulations on a big, big home run. Thank you very much, Jim. I know one thing. Uh, we've talked about it all along with uh, Bench and uh, Perez batting ahead of you this year. They've had oh, 130 and 120 some odd runs batted in, and here you have now 83. And I think that's an amazing total considering the fact you've been hitting behind those two guys. Yes, and after the game, I told, I thanked uh, Johnny and uh, Perez for leaving me in on baseball team. <laughs> at least you had something to swat at, didn't you? Right. I, I didn't know whether the ball was going to clear the fence or not, Lee. It looked like it was just over the top of the fence. You hit it so hard, but uh, so low. Right. I didn't think it was going to make it either because I thought uh, a motor going back to the wall, and uh, he leaped, and I thought it was going to be off the top of the wall, but uh, I saw that it managed to get up under the bar some kind of way, and I was <laughs> proud of that. <laughs> this was it, the battle between the Pirates of the East and the Reds of the West. At stake, the National League pennant for 1970. Both clubs were hungry for it. The Reds hadn't won it in nine years. The Pirates hadn't won it in ten. Tension, that's the word to describe this meeting and the way to describe the first nine innings of that opening game in Pittsburgh as Doc Ellis and Gary Nolan threw bullets. And it all came down to who would break it open in the tent. A one-two pitch. Fine swings, hits it into right center field. It might be extra bases of this. Flying on his way to second. He could get three. He's around second. On his way to third. And he's in there. On a close play, it's a throw to Rich Hedner. The tie just did get there. Then with two out and Klein about to die on third, Mr. Reliable stepped up. Pete Rose at the plate. The fired infield pulls in. Rose is one to four. First pitch outside of all. High climb, a pitch triple. The Reds have their first real, real good opportunity to go out in front of this ball game. 1 0 pitch. Rose swings, blasted into the right field, and the Reds lead 1 nothing. After Bench was walked intentionally, the Bucks tried to get Lee May and couldn't do it. On to the count now to Lee May for the 0 2 pitch. Swing on, line line. Rose will score. On his way to third is Bench. The ball's by Jeter. Bench will score easily and May at second base with a double. The Reds lead three to nothing. So that was game one and the Reds won it three to nothing. And I talked to Ty Klein after the game. Ty, I have to think that you gained a lot of respect from a lot of baseball fans everywhere for that big hit you came up with in the 10th inning to start us off to the victory. Well, I sure hope so, Jim. Uh, the bench was really excited the whole game. Everybody was up and chatting on each play, and everybody was really excited. In fact, when balls were hit to our outfielders and infielders, everybody.
dominated one game more than Bobby Tolan did this day in Pittsburgh, well, I've never seen it. Listen. Good pitch. Swung on a bouncer over the mound and in the center field of a ship. Tolan makes the turn at first and holds as the Lou fields the ball in a hurry. The pitch. Tolan goes and a pitch out, but Bobby is there. The ball into right center field. Tolan could score. He's the third and Grimace is holding him up. And the throw gets by Sandin and bounces off Walker's leg behind the plate, but Tolan Ground ball at hell. He has. He'll put it to Bray. The rest win the next three 
Marcus LeMay and the Reds mob John Gillis. They are all over it. They pick up Sparky Anderson. Up in the air goes Sparky on the shoulders of the Red players. As the Reds win the National League flag. They're mobbing each other in front of the Reds dugout. The club very orderly is staying back as the Reds rough up the National League minute as Don Gullett, Wayne Granger do the job and the right thing. They beat the Pirates three to two. We're chatting with Johnny Bench in the dugout when he got a little champagne, did you, John? Oh, <laughs> oh. all over my body. Several reasons. Number one, Burkhardt had his back to the play and had to look over his right shoulder. 
according to a monitor that we have here for television, the tag was made and the runner, Carvel, did not touch home plate. But then again, Sparky Anderson might be out to say that Burkhardt was in the way of the runner and blocking home plate, forcing Carvel to slide around him. In any case, the run does not count and they're two out. And they've just, they just thrown some towels on the field from the Cincinnati dugout. Game number two began just the same way the first one did. Rolling out in front with the big red machine. Four to nothing. And at the plate now, Lee May. Way on six. Line drive, well hit. Alley left center field. Blair can't get there. It's off his glove. Off the wall, deep in left field. One run is in. Here is Perez around third. They're waving him home. On his way to third base goes May. And they're so throw A triple for May. And the Reds lead two to nothing. Here now is the battle the third base side of the mound by McCray. McCray has thrown to the plate, it's wild, and the third run scores, and McCray has reached. Fly ball, really real, deep right field, it's going to go. Home run, Bobby Bowler. But again, fate stepped in. Fate in the person of Brooks Robinson, who once again robbed the Reds. Jim by the incredible Brooks Robinson seemed to signal a Baltimore rally. Five times they scored in the fifth, and when the Reds tried to get the lead back, in came reliever Dick Hall to slam the door. Pete Rose kneeling on deck, hoping to get a chance to bat. Six to five to score. The pitch. Waller gets the center field. Paul Blair going way back. territory where the birds are mighty tough to beat. Buford started off with a walk, Belanger fly to right, Booth Tal was jammed and fouled out to Johnny Bench, and then on the hit and run, Robinson laced the line drive single right field, Buford raced over to third base, and on a 3-2 count, Paul Blair walked to load the bases in this scoreless game. Boninger looking in to Johnny Bench. All the runners edging off, Boninger ready to throw, drive out of the alley.
Down three games to none, and on the brink of a sweep, the Reds called on the pride that had kept them rolling all season long. In game four, the lead seesawed back and forth. The pitch swung on line into right center field. Boy, hit. The ball is going all the way to the fence. Extra bases. May the second. He's the third. He's around third scoring. Concepcion headed for third and is there sliding with a triple. Palmer stretches and delivers. Swung on a ground ball up the middle. Two, he's left. Belanger dive. Second two out. Two-two tied and two and one to Brooks. Nolan shakes off one. Okay is the next one. Here it is. Swan hit up the middle. times before stepped up to the plate. Reds with runners at first and third, nobody out, and Lee May tossing aside the weighted bat and strolling up toward home plate. And strolling back to the NBC microphone, Jim Simpson. All right, Jim. Lee May during the regular season hit 34 home runs. Lee May. Back in 1969, he hit 38 home runs. Run here would catapult the Reds into a come from behind position and a six to five lead. Earl Weaver knew this would be a tough eighth inning, and thus far it is. With Tony Perez at third, Johnny Bench at first, none out. Baltimore leading five to three in the fourth game of the World Series. And Eddie Watt is ready and throws. Long drive, left field, back, it's gone. Yeah. 